You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Mitch Matthews, my brother from another mother, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Great to have you here. Oh my gosh, Brian, this is such an honor. I tell you what, I got introduced to your podcast. I think I think I've listened to the Jamie Winship episode, I don't know, 17 times maybe. I mean, you are <laughs> such an incredible interviewer and so it's just a, such an honor to get to be here. You are so kind, Mitch. Thank you. I would love for you to share with our listeners a brief history of Mr. Mitch Matthews. Brief. I love it. Okay, so I Wait, wait, wait. Capital B <laughs> exactly. So I'll I'll start with a quick thing on the beginning, which may may or may not help me connect with people. But I grew up a scared kid in a small town, and God still works through that. It's amazing how literally Brian, like I would worry myself sick, mm. and 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 stay home, like and not kind of like oh my tummy's upset, like uh, really sick, and sometimes be sick for two weeks, be out of school, which of course then would make me even more nervous and worried about all that I missed and that everybody was forgetting me and mm-hmm. all of those things. Right. But God, even then was encouraging me and encouraging me to be something basically to be what he's created me to be in the light of, or in face of that fear. And so at the same time, I was kind of an extreme, extreme kid. So I got interested in different things. Sometimes those were different than what my friends were interested in, but I early on got interested in bicycles, like Schwinn's, push bikes, 10 speeds, those kinds of things. And we had a little bike shop in our town called Marty Schwinn Cyclery. It was two blocks off the square, lived in this little town of Newton, Iowa, which was straight out of a Hallmark movie, courthouse square, middle of town, almost exactly. And then Marty Schwinn Cyclery was this hole in the wall business, two blocks off the square. And it was it was heaven for me. It was next to the Goodwill and around the corner from a strip club. So <laughs> <laughs> truly hole in the wall. But it was it was the, the smell of WD-40 permeated everything that I was, and, and it was just fantastic. And I basically stalked the owner, Marty Doan. The whole summer of my 12th year, I swept the the alley. I dusted off bikes. I mowed his lawn, sometimes with his permission, sometimes without. Just whatever <laughs> it could take, you know, to to so I wouldn't get arrested for loitering. And at the end of that summer, Marty and his wife, Sherry, offered to give me a job. I think they were kind of like, we got to do something with you. We might as well put you to work. And, and so they did. And so here I was. I grew up a scared kid, but 13, got my first dream job. And that was the result of following something that I was extremely interested in Mm. and going after it with reckless abandon. And as I grew older, it's one of those things where I had to learn how to deal with that fear. But God really instilled that, that heart for, you know, going after those things that he put on my heart. And oftentimes he's really rewarded that. What do you think the basis of that fear was? Uh, there was, that's a great question. Good Lord. We're going after it right away, which of course we are. That's you. You know, it's, it's funny if I go back through and, and I've spent a lot of time in prayer and, and gotten some counseling on this and that kind of thing. I think, you know, there's a number of things. Um, what do we, we're, we're born with that, that fear of falling. There's, there's a number of different things. I always, I love how we can make those assessments of the fears that we're born with, but 
how do you interview a baby? Those kinds of things. But I think one of those things that we learn to fear is that fear of being excluded, the fear of pain, the fear of different things. And I think for me, a big part of it was the fear of the unknown. Hmm. And, and I think in some ways, just wondering if it was going to work out, whatever it was, would this work out? And, and so that manifested itself in a number of different ways. You know, it's interesting because it did very much also involve my faith journey as far as dealing with that fear. I wouldn't necessarily have known it at the time, but when I look back, it's just, it's amazing how God then worked through talking to me and guiding me and encouraging me that helped me to not only hide my fear, which mm-hmm. was my first thing, you know, I, I tried to just get better at hiding it. That was yeah. my first strategy and that didn't work so well. But over time, he really helped me to not just hide the fear, but to step into the fear and do it anyway, knowing he's with me. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference. That's a great segue to what occurred a little bit later in high school, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing when I look back, you know, God's always at work. And and I love how it it's we can know that. And oftentimes we're able to, especially in retrospect, look back and go, oh my gosh, that was such a big move of God. But obviously in the time, you just you just never know. And and he works through people, he works through circumstance, all of those things. And the interesting thing is I grew up in a in a wonderful church, an absolutely wonderful church, but one event, one person made a huge difference and they actually weren't a part of our church. Interestingly enough, my brother was in a Christian rock band, which made him super cool. And he was the drummer for crying out loud, right? So like my brother's the drummer of a cool Christian rock band that made me almost cool, Brian, almost cool. And I'll never forget that the band, most of the members of the band were members of this other church. And so I went to band practice because, of course, I want to hang out with my cool big brother. And while we're there, a youth pastor, a guy named Stan Wearson, saw me hanging out in the back of the room. And he probably could see that I was a nervous, anxious kid. And he just made his way over. Now, it's funny because now you you, you know you think about youth pastors. And oftentimes, they're goatee sporting, baseball cap backwards, kind of cool people, dress cool, are cool, speak cool. Stan Wearson was in his 60s and wore polyester pants, walked with a cane, literally, sometimes I think just for fashion, right? All of this kind of thing. And was about the most uncool looking person I've probably ever seen in my life up to that point. In fact, he invited me to come hang out in his office. And there was a picture of him and Roy Rogers on the wall. Like that actually was pretty cool to me because I was kind of a geek. But that, I'm like, that is oh my cool. gosh, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and Stan just was this just wise soul. And he had such an impact. Like years later, I was able to attend his funeral. And it was one of those tastes of heaven to see someone have such an impact on so many people's lives. But Stan really just saw me in a different way and started to invite me to once a week, come to his office and just talk about the Bible. And it was, you know, he talked about the Bible in a different way that I'd, than I'd really grown up with. And then, you know, he challenged me to, well, he first invited me to a retreat that their church was doing. And then I think I told you about this, he kind of hoodwinked me a little bit and said, Hey, I want you to sing a song. And I'm like, okay, cool. I thought I'm going to be at the choir, but he's just not having me practice with the choir yet because I don't go to their church. And all of a sudden he's like about a few days before the retreat, he's like, 
by the way, you're singing this thing solo. I'm like, what? I'm like, wait, I, what? No, this is going to be in front of 300 kids and all those things. And I just trusted him. It was mm-hmm. just, it was just like God was encouraging me and he was an imperfect person, all of those things, but there was just something about him. And I think it was that he met me where he was at. He saw me, he wasn't asking me to be anybody that I wasn't, but he definitely held me as capable of being something more at the same time. You know what I mean? It was that yeah. tension of absolutely meeting meeting me where I was at, but not leaving me there. And uh, sure enough, that at that retreat, I stood up in front of 300 kids about my age and sang a song about Prime and the Pump. It was a song from like 53, 1953, Brian. It was so not cool. <laughs> this is the era of the 80s where everybody's got rocker hair and I'm singing a, a nice melody from 1953, you know. But, but were you sporting a mullet? Oh uh, yeah, you know what? I did not have a mullet, but I might have had a perm. <laughs> <laughs> Way better. Which, in my defense, apparently are now cool again. So yeah, bring it whatever, back. you know, all of that. <laughs> but it, you know, that then he started me on this journey, and then I really started to lean into the Bible a whole lot more. I started to pray in a different way, and I certainly didn't get it perfect. I believe, you know, that's really where I started to hear from God. And I look back on that and there were so many people involved with my faith journey, my parents, so many people at my own church. But, you know, it's also just this great reminder of how one person, how one person can change someone's trajectory. And oftentimes it's not an 180 immediate degree turn. Sometimes it's just that one degree turn that makes all the difference over time. Absolutely. Well, let's fast forward, Mitch, to now God has put you in an amazing place with respect yeah. to your coaching, and you have a huge mandate. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I started coaching, life coaching, success coaching back in 2002. And it was, it was an interesting time for me. I had been in the pharmaceutical industry for about 10 years, and it had been When I started in the industry, it had been a great fit. I really enjoyed the process. It was high science, high relationship, all of those things. Really enjoyed it. But then over time, I changed, the industry changed, and all of a sudden that started to become a really bad fit. And so I had to look around and really say, what what am I supposed to be doing in this season? Because God, this does not feel like it. It felt like it had been right, but it didn't feel like it. And um, as I was entering into that season of a bad fit, it was a desert season where, you know, it was dangerously close to losing hope. My wife said every day I drove to work, it was one of those where she said she was worried about a little part of me dying. And I think, you know, it's a little bit like the Israelites. There's a lot of different types of slavery. And in that case, it was a good job. It was a good paying job and very generous in what they provided me, those kinds of things, a car, a computer, all of those things. And Brian, full disclosure, we were living the sitcom life, which was single income, two children, oppressive mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't just leave that job, but I had been in corporate training a little bit as a part of my journey in pharmaceuticals. And when you said pharmaceutical industry, I was going to ask, is that code for drug dealing? But no, you're you're being honest here. Exactly right. Well, it's funny when my, you know, our older son was in kindergarten, his, his teacher called us and said, you need to talk to Ben 
about how he describes what you do. And I said, well, <laughs> how so? And she said, well, today we talked about what do mom and dad do for work? And, and your son, Ben, told <laughs> told his whole class that you sell drugs out of the trunk of your car, (laughs) (laughs) which is in some ways accurate, but uh, some ways inaccurate too. So what's wild about all of that is, is that during that really tough season in my career, you know, and I was really questioning what I should do, what I could do. There was no just obvious next steps. It was, it was truly I felt like I was at an impasse and I didn't have any answers. And interestingly enough, my wife, who I married up, I think much like you, I married up and she actually brought me a magazine article and it was about an entrepreneur. And I started reading about this entrepreneur and I was impressed by this person, their success and their, their story. But my wife's like, no, no, no. Look at the sidebar article about his coach. And I started to read about this coach and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Like, what this person did for this entrepreneur. I mm. want to do that for people. He really helped. He didn't give many answers. He just drew out kind of the, he drew out the answers. He drew out the solutions. He drew out the strategies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, w- I want to do that. And that, that set me on that trajectory to find out more about coaching, to find out how do you do that? What does that look like? All of those things. So did some training and then started to build that business on the side, basically 2000, 2001. And that really helped me to keep hope alive, mm-hmm. especially in that, those latter years of my pharmaceutical days, because if it was just, if it was just my job, my soul would have, I think started to snuff out that fire would have really started to be extinguished, but working on this and and starting at first as a hobby, then it became a jobby. And then it became, you know, my career and my life. In many ways I was able to launch and, and do that full time in 2002. And it took a little while for that to grow. But then in 2008, Other coaches really started to take notice of what I was doing, started to ask me how I was doing it and started to do, as a result of that, I started to do boutique business camps, basically for coaches and speakers, helping them build profitable businesses. Um, And then 2011, we were able to take that and uh, take all of that training and take it online. And now we've been able to help thousands of coaches around the world. Um, so that's been absolutely beautiful. But yeah, to your point, back in late 2019, I had a speaking gig out in Oregon and I got the nudge that I was supposed to stay for a couple of days. Uh, so after the event, I think it was on a Tuesday night, you know, I said goodbye to everybody at the event and and snuck back to my Airbnb house and everybody else thought I left town the next day. And instead I went and and went and hiked in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, you know, really got good prayer time. I don't know about you, but man, the reception is always better in the mountains for me. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I was hiking and 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 walking and just talking with God about what this next season was going to look like. And God's like, I really want you to encourage the encouragers now. Mm. Encourage the encouragers. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's what we've been doing. And he's like, now. He said, you have been doing that, but I want you to do it at the next level. And Mm. what was amazing was that at that time, about 60 to 70% of my revenue had started to, it had evolved. And so 60, 70% of my revenue was coming from my speaking and 30% was coming from my coaching and coach training and all of those things. And uh, while I was on that hike, God's like, I want you to stop marketing your speaking And I want you to focus on coaches. I really want you to start focusing on encouraging the encouragers. Now, Brian, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like, when you you hear God say, I want you to stop doing what's bringing in 60% 60 to 70% of your revenue, 
<laughs> that's that's one of those moments where it's like gulp, like what do I believe? And am I really hearing this? That is a huge point when you have this shift you know you're supposed to make, you know in your heart you've heard from the Lord. Yep. What did you feel? What was going on inside of you at that moment? So I got to tell you, God was showing off. God was showing off on this hike. And it was it was one of those times, or I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't necessarily get big billboard moments where God puts the build up billboard up that says, <laughs> hello, Brian, good morning. Make sure that you do this. Make sure you do this and have a good day. You know, like I don't, I don't get those. I get these nudges, right? And while I was on this hike, I just really started to get those nudges clear. And there were a number of different things, but it's wild because God hit me with encourage the encouragers. And that that's what I got first. And, and what's funny is, is I started to think, and I think I started to run with the idea a little bit, like, what would that look like? What could that mean? All of those things. And then God's like, wait, it, you know, you're kind of going on your own path. And, it, you know, he's like, I want to talk with you about this. What's funny is, is that at that point, I'd been walking on a path, literally on a path. And all of a sudden I looked down and I had walked off the path, literally, not just figuratively, literally walked off the path. And I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. You know, and all of a sudden, then I started to get into fear. Like I am in the mountains that I've never been on, you know, in. And I'm on a path I've never been on. And I'm like, Lord, I just, I, I did that both in the spirit, started walking away, right? And in the literal, on the path I was on, I said, what do you want me to do? And he's like, take 10 more steps. Just trust me, take 10 more steps. And I took 10 more steps, stepped over this little rock ridge and boom, was right back on the path. So I was like, okay, I got gotcha. you. you what, what else do you want to say? You know, what else do you want to say? It's fascinating to me what you just described is something I experience, and I'm sure many people listening to this do. When the Lord drops something on you, you have a real strong sense it's his leading. And then we start spinning out in our brains right. how that's going to wind up. And oftentimes, right. dude, not even close. Not even close, not even remotely. Yep. Yeah. So how do you keep from spinning that out so that you don't wind up getting off the path? That's such a good question. And to to answer it honestly, I don't always, right? Uh, let's just be honest. I get and it. I think where, where it starts is to know that I won't always, but to know that no matter what, God will still be in it with me and will not abandon me. You know, I, I think back to Joshua. I love the story of Joshua. And, and I love the story of how Joshua's story starts way back. Like the story of Joshua in Numbers, where Joshua and Caleb were two scouts that said, no, God said that's the promised land. Let's take it. But when you really look at that story, Joshua didn't say anything. Caleb Caleb was the one who was saying it all. Caleb was trash talking the 10 scouts who said, I don't know. It looks kind of big to us. And we kind of felt like grasshoppers over there. Caleb's like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, God said it's ours. Let's go take it. Mm -hmm. Right. Joshua didn't say anything. And then later on, Joshua was always there for Moses, but he didn't talk a lot. And then Joshua was then tapped to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Right. And so he developed, he had gotten stronger. But at the same time, if God is having to say to Joshua three times in Joshua, one, three different times, be bold and courageous, 
right? You don't tell somebody to be bold and courageous if they're already bold and courageous. You only tell somebody to be bold and courageous if they're not. Mm -hmm. And then what I love about that is that God doesn't say, be bold and courageous because you're awesome or be bold and courageous because you're wildly talented or be bold and courageous and I'll see you on the other side. Best of luck, Skippy. You know, he says, be bold and courageous for I am with you. Mm. And I think so if we're going to be honest, I think we have to say, all right, you know, God's given me nudges, mandates, everything in between. And sometimes I've really followed those well. And sometimes I've gone down in flames, not, you know, following it or, or I've gotten real messy trying to follow it. And the thing I have to remember at the beginning, start and finish is that God's with me and he wants to be talking to me the whole time and is going to guide me. And sometimes he's going to work in ways that I totally expected. And most of the time he's going to work in ways that I don't, and usually are much better. But the big thing is just keep taking those small but significant steps Mm -hmm. forward. And so, I mean, to, to go further into that story, you know, as far as he said, stop marketing, uh, you're speaking, focus on encouraging the encouragers. One of the things you always want to do, of course, when you're getting a word like that is to check with those around you. And so my bride is my business partner and she's a prayer warrior. I mean, she prays like crazy. And, you know, I called her immediately afterwards and said, Hey, this could be bad pizza. This could be, you know, the burrito I ate last night, but you know, these things happen today and this was the nudge. And, and so we agreed to pray on it. And I have a, a trusted friend who I lean on in the same way, ask them for their encouragement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and discernment, those kinds of things. But within 12 hours, we had shifted our whole business. Well, probably within 24, to be perfectly honest, but I was starting those conversations within 12 hours. And what's wild about that, Brian, and you know this story, but what's wild about that is, is that we stopped selling my speaking within, you know, 24, 48 hours of that nudge, but we had still sold a number of things. And so the last speaking event that I spoke at now, when I got this nudge, nobody had said the word COVID. Uh, the only people talking about pandemic were people that walk, watched the walking dead, right? Like there's yeah. nobody, nobody was talking about these things, but the last speaking event that I spoke at was basically the night before everything shut down. So I'm driving home from that event and the event planner called me and said, okay, if we would have had that event tonight, we couldn't have it. Wow. It's done. And, and who knew she had no idea how long that was going to go. Nobody had any idea how long that was going to go. So it's one of those things where it was a wild mandate and then it was wild direction. But when I look back, God saved our organization in a lot of ways. Well, and there's a couple super instructive things that you did. As soon as you heard that voice, you reached out to your prayer partner, your wife, you reached out to a trusted person and you shared it with them. You didn't sit on it. You did something with it right away. Yep. And then you acted on it when you had the peace and the confirmation from those that you trust and yourself in your heart. And if you had just sat on it and, and got the, the feels, hey, this feel felt great. Thanks, Lord. And that was it. You would have been potentially toast. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, and I think to, to break that down even further, not to say that I did it perfectly, but it's, I did it differently that time because I'd done it poorly so many times. <laughs> 
before that, but one of the things that my wife and I have both decided, and when I reach out for discernment from very trusted friends and allies, you know, one of the things, especially my wife and I have agreed to is we'll never like one up each other with a God said, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like thus saith the Lord. So therefore we will. So my approach wasn't, Hey, God said this. So we're doing it. My approach with my bride was, Hey, so this is the wildness of how today played out. And there were a number of other things that were very confirming. And I said, and so this is the nudge that I'm getting. And I want to invite you to pray with me on it. And I do want your input, Mm. right? I do want your input. And I said, we both have to recognize this could inspire fear. We both have to recognize this could inspire a lot of change, all of those things. So she also has the same goal. We don't always do it perfectly, but when we're asking for that discernment, we recognize we both could have inherent biases. For sure. (laughs) You know, because her bias could have been to safety and say, okay, you're in the mountains, you love the mountains, you're just coming off a speaking gig, maybe you're tired of speaking, you know, all of that, right? But she she stopped and said, let, let me take an hour and I'm going to pray, you pray. And, you know, as a result, then we both got that that's exactly what we were supposed to do. And, and we've had that in our lives where there's been times where we felt called to do something that maybe would be illogical or unstrategic. And God came through. Mm -hmm. Let me pivot here and ask you some questions that are not necessarily directed at the business right now, just kind of personal, personal info. Okay. Okay. I love it. What makes you really laugh, Mitch? What brings joy to your heart? I'll tell you what, I am, I am wildly blessed. We have two sons, two dudes. One is 22, one is just about ready to turn 21. And, you know, we're a messy, wildly imperfect family, but we are really good at road trips. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's amazing. Like, get us all in the car and there's probably going to be some bodily function jokes, much to the chagrin of my wife, although she will laugh. I don't know that she'd admit it, but she will laugh just as loud as everybody else. You know, all of those things. So my family is one where I'm just wildly blessed to say. We also got a puppy. We just got a puppy. I think you know that. We have an Akita puppy. So it's really, if you're familiar with the Akita breed, we basically got a horse in a dog costume, (laughs) but right now, and his name is Hero, and right now, uh, Hero is absolutely hysterical because he's at about 16 weeks old, which basically puts him into that 13-year-old boy category where the legs are long, don't quite know what to do with them, you know, gangly, hilarious, tired because he's growing all the time. So he just cracks me up daily. I love that. You know, when you said road trip, I immediately went back to one of my fondest experiences. We have eight children, four boys, four girls, and we drove a 1998 Ford E350 16-passenger van. That is what I'm talking about. That's what we hauled around the country in. And I'll never forget pulling (laughs) into a convenience store. All the kids had to go to the bathroom. And we open up the side double doors of the van and all this crap falls out on the the ground. I mean, pillows, toys, games, and these people, these people are getting out of their cars, going into the convenience store, look at us like, what, who, what is- The clampets just rolled in. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is awesome. I could totally see it in my mind's eye. Absolutely. And everybody's barreling for the bathroom. Yeah. I'm getting there first. I oh my it. word. And the 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 favorite van story is my, my wife went to Sam's, bought a bunch of stuff, and she had a couple gallons of milk. You know, there's a little step between those double doors when you get out oh, of the yeah. van. And she had the milk sitting there. And she pulls up to a stoplight. And this guy is honking and waving at her, and she rolls the window down. He goes, I don't know what's pouring out of your van, but the milk had fallen over, and it was pouring out between the door and the door jam onto the street. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's probably worried it's nuclear waste or something, right? Your van is leaking something oh, man. out of a place that's not supposed to leak something. That's hilarious. I love it. It's another question here. What really touches your heart, Mitch? What makes you tear up? Mm. Well, not surprisingly, some of the same similar answers, right? My mm. family, it's 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 one of those that I try not to be too mushy, but you know, my my family kind of knows that I'm kind of mushy that way. And so my boys make me proud all the time. My wife amazes me all the time. And again, don't get me wrong, it's not like it's rainbows, butterflies, and little ponies at our house all the time. But uh, there's just a number of things where, you know, if I can really take it in and just enjoy what they're what they're achieving, what they're living, that can completely just get me misty, you know, and, and trying to cultivate that relationship with God as well. That sometimes I don't know about you, but it's it's, you know, I'm always trying to listen to inspiring podcasts like yours, inspiring teaching and digging into scripture and things like that. But, you know, this morning, God got me misty just by, I took Hero for a, a little bit of a hike. Full disclosure, Brian, one of our smoke detectors started mm-hmm. chirping at like 4.10 this morning. <laughs> I'm an early morning guy, but 4.10 is still a little aggressive. Right. And I don't know why the smoke detectors always, the batteries always go out in the middle of the night, right? But I finally isolated which one it was, got it pulled down, all of that. By that time, I'm like, okay, I'm not going back to bed. So Hero and I took the opportunity to go do a sunrise hike. And this morning, it was just one of those mornings where you know, he peed in the wrong spot. It was, <laughs> I wanted to go one place. We couldn't go there. You know, a lot of things didn't line up. But once we got to this park, there was just this one particular part of the hike where the sun broke through the trees at this particular place. And it's kind of, we're kind of moving into some humidity right now. And so what that means is there was this just open meadow with just this hanging mist over the top of it. And even though the morning had started off the wrong way, even though our route to get there was messy and imperfect, he just brought me to tears because it's like, oh my gosh, your craftsmanship is mm. everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely amazing. And then a biker flew by us and zapped me right out of it, you know, yeah. all of those things. But it was just, it is tr- trying to treasure those little things. It, it, his, his craftsmanship's all around us and those things can move me. How do you respond to yourself when you literally just want to stop, scrap your agenda, sit in a chair, and just stare out the window, but you've got a ton of things you have to do that day? Mm-hmm. What do you say to yourself? How do you motivate yourself to do it when you don't want to? Hmm, that's a good question. So I would say a little bit of both. So if I'm feeling that nudge, so I am a recovering perfectionist. 
Brian. So I, I've dealt with perfectionism in my life, and perfectionism is one of those things that I believe it's perfectionism is one of the devil's best games. Man, because most people misinterpret perfectionism as aspiring to excellence. Right. But usually, what perfectionism is is it it in that goal of achieving excellence, we wind up kind of wrestling with perfection, right? Like mm-hmm. we want it to be perfect, and and so one of the ways that perfectionism would come in on something like that is to say, oh, I just I just want to sit and look out the window. And and since I can't do that in a way that would be absolutely perfect, like I can't sit by the perfect window <laughs> in the perfect chair with the perfect music playing, you know, with the perfect amount of time, since I can't do that, I'm not going to do it at all. Right. Yeah. But sometimes those little nudges are just those nudges for for God to say, hey, I just want to talk to you for a second. And so what I try to do in those moments is let go of the perfectionism and say, I wonder what just even five to 10 minutes of quiet could do for me right now. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I just try to allow for that because I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes it does take a hike in the mountains to really hear from God. Like you can turn up the reception when you make for that kind of amount, for that amount of quality time. But I also believe that God wants to talk to us at all times. But part of that is quieting your mind enough to really get in tune with that. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, sometimes when you get those those feelings of, I just want to shut down, it's like, okay, well, shutting down, I can't shut down all day, but even 10 minutes right now, how could I get real quiet for just 10 minutes? Yeah. And, and that helps me, right? But then part of it's also getting back to, especially if you do have an, a packed day. So like last week we had a major marketing initiative. And so it was, it was a 60 plus hour week. It just is right now. That's just kind of the way that it works. And, and there were, you know, a couple of different times where I was very tired and I had a number of phone calls and meetings to do. And I just, man, just didn't want to, you know, I'm an introvert too. So like, I love what I do, but I've got to have downtime. And in those big, busy weeks, it's really hard to find those that downtime. I've got to take care of that inner introvert, you know, and I wasn't getting that introverted time that I need. And so part of it was to just recognize the season. Part of it was remembering like, okay, it's a promotion week. You know, we had a big initiative going on. So it's like, Hey, this isn't every week. It's this week. And so I just, you know, I needed to remind myself that this is the season that I'm in. You know, if I was a farmer, I would need to be in the tractor either planting seed or harvesting. You know, I live in Iowa and and I didn't grow up on a farm, but my wife did. And my wife's family are all farmers. And just recently we were able to go and sit with my, my father-in-law, stepfather-in-law in in his tractor as he's planting. And it's like, Hey, those guys go 14, 16 hours a day when, you know, Hey, if the sun's out and the season's right, you got to plant. And so I just reminded myself, this is the season I'm in. And so that is important to just remember that it's not forever. It's just a season, but then to say, all right, let's go back to my why, you know, and, and part of this promotion is around some of the coach training that we do now. And that is directly a part of the mandate to encourage the encouragers. And so, you know, sometimes those mandates are to go and help a group of people and I'm an entrepreneur. And so when I get a mandate like that, I look for different ways to be able to do that in general, but I also look at ways if if there are ways that we need to incorporate that into our business. And that's something that we very much did and and it's been amazing. So I just 
went back to that too, to say, God put this on my heart. It totally aligns with who I am. And so get back to work, Skippy, you know? And, And so I did. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's interesting in seasons, there are push moments. Yeah. And that's just what that was. It's a push moment, right? Yep. Yeah. And I try not to be a spoiled little brat because like sometimes (laughs) and that's like, I can see that ditch from where I'm standing. And then, you know, I just want to just take my toys and go home. Like, God, this isn't easy enough. And usually on the other side of it, it's like, oh man, you just showed us something or you helped me realize this, you know, like that, that I'm actually stronger than I thought or all of that. So I try not to be a spoiled little brat and just keep talking with him about it. What's been one of the biggest steps of faith that you've ever taken where it was like, holy cow, I am like Indiana Jones. I'm going to step into the, over this <laughs> precipice and there better be something underneath my feet when I make that step. Yeah. Okay. There's been a, there's been a number of them, but I'll give you one that's, that's fun because it, it directly relates to our entrepreneurial journey too. Cause I don't know about you, Brian, but I used to think that God heals, like that God could totally heal somebody in a hospital. It's obviously it's that's in the Bible, all those things. But as an entrepreneur, I kind of thought, you know, and I imagined it almost like that there was this line in the marketplace and God walked up to the line and was like, Oh, you guys are over there. Well, best of luck. But he wants to be a part of everything and Mm -hmm. wants to move in big, big ways. So it's funny, but it was a number of years ago And I was doing a lot of consulting along with my coaching. And I had this huge project that was, had become about 90% of our revenue. And it was back in the pharmaceutical industry, interestingly enough. And, and so, you know, that was great and it was good money and all of those things. But while I was on a trip, it's a long story. I'll try to make it short, but I got this idea for a game. It was a question-based game and we were getting ready to go away on a retreat with our small group from our church. And they had tasked me with trying to come up with some activities because the person that's normally in charge of the activities was sick. And so she couldn't do it. So Mm -hmm. I was on this plane and I got this idea for this game and literally about a hundred questions just flew out of my hands onto my journal and it came up with this, how you would play it and all this kind of thing, tested it out with our friends. They loved it tested it out with some other people. They loved it. And so I prayed, I I thought, gosh, Lord, you gave this to me. I don't have any time to work on it, but I prayed this prayer almost under my breath. Like, Lord, could I just have a little spare time to work on this game idea? You know, I'm an entrepreneur. Like you get an idea, you want to run with it. Right. Yeah. And what's funny is probably within 24, 36 hours of that prayer, I'm at a local Kinko's FedEx print place, you know, mm-hmm. making copies for a trip for this consulting gig. And the project lead for this consulting gig calls me and says, Hey, our product just got shelved by the FDA. Oh man. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what does that mean? And she's like, yeah, we're done. And she's like, this project was so big. We haven't sold anything else. So, you know, we're probably done for the next six months to a year. And and I kid you not, Brian, she, at the end, we're wrapping up this conversation at the end of the conversation. She's like, well, I guess we got ourselves some spare time. Now I had not shared that prayer with anybody. And I, I kid you not, it was, it was back in the day of the flip phones, but I'll never forget. I closed my flip phone and I looked at the ceiling of this Kinko's, this print place. And I said, that is not what I meant. You know, like, <laughs> right. oh my gosh. Right. Um, and that, that place, they still look at me a little weird when I walk in there, but I 
prayed about it. And I said, Lord, you know, I asked for spare time. You gave me this idea. Will you guide us on this? Is now the time to do it? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those times where I do feel like God said, do it. I've got you and I'm going to pay for it. And I'd never heard that kind of like he has, he has healed my wife of cancer. He's done a number Mm. of amazing miracles in our lives, but this was really the first time where I felt like he moved was moving in an entrepreneurial way. And he's done it a number of times since, but this was really the first time where I felt that nudge. So I'm like, all right, Lord, I take you at your word. I'm going to start moving forward on this. And so we did. Now what's wild about this is, is that along the way we found a manufacturer because it's a, it's a, it's a game, but it's like cards, the card deck. Mm-hmm. We found a manufacturer that would do a first round of this printing, but they said, Hey, it's going to be $12,000 and some change. And I was like, okay. You know, and at that time we had some savings set aside to do this kind of thing. It was great. We were moving along, but I prayed about it. And God's like, I've got that. Don't worry about it. I'm covering that. And I'm like, okay. And I talked to my wife about it. We both decided, yes, go ahead and sign the agreement. And Almost instantly, we had a number of things all hit at the same time, and the $12,000 that we had set aside evaporated. We had to pay some th- different things. There was something big went wrong with the house. All of a sudden, poof, that was gone. And I'm like, Lord. And it was one of those moments where I thought him saying, I'll take care of it, meant I took care of it by giving you that savings. Right. But God's like, that's not what I said. I'm like, okay. <laughs> now, just like you said earlier, we think practically, I mean, and you and I, you know, we're pretty creative, right? And I'm pretty, you know, I, I could come up with a number of different ways to try to raise that money, a number of different ways to kind of make that money. And as an entrepreneur, those are good things, right? Like, you know, oftentimes is the right answer to say, all right, how can I make that money? How can I, but I felt like in this case, God was saying, I've got you. I want to show off. And I'm like, okay. And so interestingly enough, as you can imagine, like we're coming closer and closer to this bill being due, you know, they're printing cards as we speak, right? $12,000 worth of cards. And my, I want to trust. And most of my heart was trusting, but there was still part of my heart. That's like, what happens if we don't, and, and what happens if I look like an idiot or what happens, you know, all of those things fast forward, it's about three days before that bill is due. And my wife had been mentoring a couple of people at that time. And interestingly enough, one of them was about a 22 year old gal and they, they used to meet on Tuesday mornings. And on this one particular Tuesday morning, I was down in my office, which was in our basement at the time. I was down in my office and all of a sudden this gal, she knocks on my door, which I'm like, wait, 22 year old gal in my basement. Like I look, you know, she's awesome, but I'm like, this is weird. This is inappropriate. You know, like all this stuff. And she's like, no, no, no. I, I, I wanted to come and talk with you. And I said, okay. And she's like, Hey, it's really weird. But probably three months ago, I had a dream that I was supposed to put a check in a mailbox and it was a really specific mailbox. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and I'm, I knew my wife had been talking with them about prayer and mm-hmm. all these kinds of different things. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, I didn't want to squelch it, but I'm also like, you know what, let's just go upstairs, that kind of thing. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, but then I started to meet with Mel. And when I came to your house the first time I saw your mailbox and it was the mailbox in my dream. And I'm like, oh, that's wild. That's incredible. That's great. You know? And again, I'm like, okay, let's go upstairs. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to tell you. She said, I had the dream again last night. 
But this time God told me the number, like what, what I was supposed to write the check out for. Now we had not told anybody like Mel knew two other friends of mine that were entrepreneurs knew about this order, this impending bill, mm-hmm. you know, some of our financial challenges. We're not really open about that kind of stuff if we don't need to be. So like we hadn't been shouting this from the rooftop. So nobody knew. She certainly did not know. She's like, well, I got this number. I don't know if it means anything to you, but she basically had written it down on a piece of paper. She hands it to me. And on that piece of paper within, I think three pennies was what we were going to owe <laughs> for that game printing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now my entrepreneur brain kicked in and goes, that's, it's incredible. Like what's our, what's our schedule for paying you back? What do you think of for interest? And she's like, what? And she's like, no, 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 no. God just said, give it to you. I'm like, wait a second. You're a 22 year old that drives a beige Toyota Corolla. Like, what are you doing with $12,000 laid around? She's like, well, God just has always just made money easy for me. I just always, it's it's just so easy for me to make money. Money just finds its way to me. And this is what he does sometimes. He just tells me who to give money to. And it was absolutely like, it was, it was almost offensive, Brian, you know, and I probably like, I was probably my late thirties, I guess, seemingly successful entrepreneur. And I'm getting help from a 22 year old. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that was, that was a little offensive, right? But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, isn't that just God? Because she, she was the very last person I would have ever thought would be able to do that. Yeah. And isn't that just God's economy? So she wrote you a check for what she saw in the vision. She wrote us a check. Now that's the funniest conversation I've ever had with my accountant, who was also a member of our church. But I was like, dude, so the funny thing just happened, you know, like how do we handle this tax wise, all of that. But yes, she wrote us a check. And that covered basically to the penny what we owed for that round of the game is called Q, what we owed for that round of Q. Incredible. I love that story. I've got a few more here and then we're going to wrap up. I love it. What are the top two challenges that you tend to coach others through? Wow. So top two, first one I would say is giving yourself permission to dream. And I work with highly successful people. And what's interesting is, is that success is fantastic, but it is also dangerous because when you start to have success in one area, it's very easy to start limiting your willingness and ability to try new things, go after new challenges, pursue new dreams. So when I'm working with my clients, it generally starts with giving them space and obviously and taking them through some different activities and things that help them to get either reacquainted with their dreams mm-hmm. or to give them space to have some new dreams. And so, you know, and, and I turn that around to everybody that's listening. I think that God wants us to give ourselves permission to dream, right? To to say, what if, and and what is he putting on your heart? So I think that first thing is permission to dream. The second thing is And it goes hand in hand with what we were talking about before in fear. I think a lot of people would say, oh, do you coach people through fear? And yes, but I think the second thing goes along with permission to make mistakes. Because what's interesting is, is that I don't know about you, but when I look back through some of the biggest innovations in our business, some of the biggest breakthroughs, many of them, not all of them, but many of them were a ripple of a mistake. Not something that we initially intended to do, but because we gave ourselves permission to dream and then permission to experiment, sometimes we made what we would call mistakes, 
But as long as you put that, put the perspective of learning on those mistakes, it's some really good fruit mm-hmm. has come from yeah. those mistakes. And more importantly, it's that if you don't give yourself permission to make mistakes, you will never grow. And so, you know, and you look back through the Bible, how many different amazing things came out of someone making a mistake? How many mistakes did David make for crying out loud? And God, I, I really truly believe this. And and Paul Young, who I don't think you've had on the show yet, but Paul Young, who wrote The Shack, I love how he puts that, that God, God doesn't cause the pain in our lives. God doesn't cause the troubles, but he can certainly redeem them. And so when I work with my clients, first is that permission to dream. And then per, second is permission to make mistakes along the way. Now, a lot of my like client, my clients, many of them, faith is an important part of their life, but many of them, you know, that's that's either not or it's dormant and those kinds of things. So sometimes it's we can definitely speak to this in the context of their faith journey. And for other folks, not so much. You can speak to the principles of it. And what's beautiful about it, the principles of it remain true. You yeah. know, and that's that's the beauty of God's truth is true. And so if somebody believes or if they don't believe, oftentimes they'll still be able to see that truth. And then with that, then you can usually then start to also have conversations, if it's appropriate, have conversations about their relationship. I love the statement that truth is its own defense. It stands by itself. Amen to that. What's been one of the greatest pieces of advice that's become a guiding principle in your life, Mitch? So I'll go back to the bike shop, Marty Doan, early on. So the, the bike shop was called Marty Schwinn Cyclery. And I was a 13-year-old salesperson, right? And the bike shop's called Marty Schwinn Cyclery. I'm an excited 13-year-old. You think anybody wants to talk to me? <laughs> You know, who do you think when you walk in Marty Schwinn cyclery, who does anybody want to talk with? They want to talk to Marty, right? Yeah, where's Marty? So we had a problem because he hired me to sell and everybody wanted to talk to Marty. And so one of the pieces of advice he gave me, which really worked well on the sales floor, but it has been wildly important in every other facet of my life in, in building relationships, truly connecting with people, even talking with people about God. He gave me this, he dropped this, this wisdom on me. He said, Hey, you're worried about people liking you. You're worried about people being interested in you. You're worried about uh, people focusing on you. He's like, stop focusing on being interesting. Focus on being interested. Yeah. And he said, if you're interested in someone, you become the most interesting person in the room. And so he taught me a strategy of, you know, even if somebody didn't want to talk with me, we would delay their access to Marty and I would just start engaging them in questions. I would want to find out about them and where they rode, where they rode their bike, where they were wanting to ride their bike, those kinds of things. And all of a sudden, if I truly was genuinely interested in them, we would have a conversation. We would be off to the races and I sold a lot of bicycles, Brian. But I've also <laughs> found that that strategy absolutely works when, as an introvert, I walk into a room of strangers. I just remind myself, don't be interesting, be interested. And if I put my focus on that, you know, it, it's amazing the number of um, incredible conversations, beautiful relationships that have been sparked by not being worried in the slightest about being interesting. And just focus on being interested. Well, and that's why you're such an awesome podcast host. Yeah, thank you. To that point, how can people find out more about you, Mitch? 
Absolutely. So they can go to my website, MitchMatthews.com. Um, and we spent our whole marketing budget coming up with that domain name, Brian. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, they can go to MitchMatthews.com. And I would, I would certainly invite them to check out uh, my podcast called Dream Think Do. That's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have a wide range of guests and then solo casts as well, where we, you know, I feel like God put it on my heart to help people to dream bigger think better and do more of what they were put on the planet to do. And that's what we do through the podcast. Love that. As we finish up, Mitch, would you please pray for our listeners? Oh, that'd be an honor. All right, Lord, you are amazing. You are kind. You are generous. You are funny. You are limitless. You are limitless, Lord. You you created the pine tree. You created the eyeball. You created the raccoon. You were you created everything, Lord, and and it it just it's amazing to me that you still want to know us, each one of us. That's just it blows my mind, Lord. And I thank you, every listener, Lord. You want to know them. You love them. You adore them. You are interested in them. And even though you know everything about them, you want them to talk to you. So we just thank you for being that God. And we thank you also that we don't have to understand how it works to know that it can be true. We just thank you for that, Lord. And I just ask a blessing. I just ask for your favor over everybody that's listening today. Help them to feel your presence today. Help them to hear what they needed to hear in this conversation. But I also ask, help them to hear your voice more. You want to speak to us, and you do, and we just thank you for that. Lord, I just ask that they would hear more from you, even today, in big and small ways, encouragement, nudges, just that presence, that peace that that surpasses understanding. We just thank you for that and bring them the provision, the favor, the connections, the relationships, the ideas that they need and make each one of their stories a raging curiosity that points to you. Not in some way that wins debates, but in a way that wins hearts, that draws hearts closer to you, Lord. We just thank you for that. And we love you. And we pray all these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So rich. Thank you, Mitch, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for being the force for good that you are, my man. You are You are walking it out in beautiful ways and i'm so grateful for you hey everyone thanks for listening please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories until next time i'm brian robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask jesus christ to become the lord of your life if you haven't done that read romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 11 thanks again for listening